Hello, and welcome to Bonnets at Dawn, the only podcast that talks about female writers only because there are no good male writers. I think we can all agree, right? Right, Hannah? Is there one? Is there one that you like? <laughs> they make Is it me Cormac say McCarthy? It. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren. <laughs> Lauren is like, I know what I'm going to say. And then she said it. And the only male writer I could think of was Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, okay, it's fine. Whatever. Yeah, not a fan. I just was thinking about that, too, because it comes up in this episode, actually, where we talk about there's a lot of men out there who won't read female writers. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't hear that from a lot of women. Yeah. Like, I only read female writers. But, do, but, but do I have to say that, that I... Hmm? Do men tell you that openly? Have you met a man who's like, I, I, don't, read, I don't read stuff by women? I did when I worked at Barnes & Noble, yes, oh, okay. many years ago. That was like 20 years ago, but yeah, I did hear that. I had one guy when I worked in comics who was like, can you recommend any like crime comics? And I was like, I can't recommend any because I don't read them, but um, this is the crime section. And then he stood in the crime section and held up every book and asked me if I'd read it. <laughs> and I just kept saying, no, I don't, I haven't really read anything in that section, mate. He just kept going. He's like, bulletproof coffee. And I was like, nah, haven't haven't read it. You should have just started giving him fake recommendations though. Yeah, I should have done that. Yeah. Okay, we'll do this again, but this is a great outtake for the beginning. And welcome to Bonnets at Dawn. This is the only podcast that pits Jane Austen against all three Bronte sisters, except this week where we kind of get Jane out of the equation and we bring in Elizabeth Gaskell. Although, spoiler alert, we do talk a little bit about Jane Austen. And, I, I talk um, a little bit about Jane Austen. Yeah, Pride, Pride and Prejudice. So it comes up, guys. Anyway, I am your host, Lauren Burke, Team Bronte. And I am your host, Hannah Chapman team austin believe it or not true story so this week uh we're sharing with you the second half of our panel that we recorded live at gaskell's house back in december last year and uh, we were joined by amy Raybottom, a curator at the bronte parsonage and jane matheson who's a volunteer at gaskell house so we're gonna pick up with uh part two of this panel now if you'll remember a few weeks ago we left off with Elizabeth having just written The Life of Charlotte Bronte. She passes this off to William and her publisher, and she's like, bye, guys, got to go travel Europe for a while, and doesn't respond to any, like, you know, letters or text messages or anything like that. So, yeah, she's just come back to England, and she's going to deal with the fallout of The Life of Charlotte Bronte. Now, when you look at portraits, and especially the portraits of Elizabeth and Charlotte, I think everyone agrees there's been a little bit of artistic license <laughs> taken to make them more flattering, and the biography, things get left out, and I have to bring it back to Jane Austen, because that's my team, I guess, but she definitely was a victim of uh, her male relatives, uh, mainly her brother Henry, and then her nephew, James Edward Lee, um, writing biographies that kind of 
softened her sharp tongue a little bit, said that she was, you know, a true church-going, family-oriented British woman, and she wasn't satirical, and she wasn't poking fun of the Prince Regent. Do you think that's got anything to do with Elizabeth Gaskell maybe not wanting people to write biographies about her? Because she wasn't keen, was she? She wasn't keen to have a biography written of herself at all, and she left instructions everywhere that all her letters <coughs> should be burned. And I think, and a lot of her letters were burnt, um, but, but there's still quite a lot um, remaining. Um, I think it was, she was very loyal to William and to her family, and she thought her private life should be her private life. But she's very contradictory because, of course, she's so nosy into other, <laughs> other people's lives. But I do wonder if it's a result of having written this biography, which she largely based on letters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she, she did quote, we've talked about that, um, you know, letters verbatim. And she was worried about her own letters because her own letters were so gossipy and indiscreet. Mm-hmm. And, and I think she thought, if anybody bases my life on my letters, um, I'll appear a very scandalous woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, you know, she loved to write a sort of free-flowing stream-of-consciousness letter. Um, but she knew that often she was sort of contradictory and... Um, she, she was very sort of plain speaking in her letters. She said what she thought about people. And she, I think she just thought it would bring a whole heap of trouble on her daughters mm. if her letters ever got. Do you agree? Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I'd, love, I'd actually love to um, know what was in the letters that were burnt. Mm. Yes. You know, that would be so wonderful to, you know, if somebody, somebody found some new letters. Yes. Because there are no letters, are there, in existence bet- from Elizabeth Gaskell to Charlotte? <coughs> so no, we not, only have yeah, Charlotte's letters. I, know of, yeah, yeah. I don't think there are any um, in existence. Um, so, yeah, letters, she, she was conscious that letters could be quite, <laughs> um, you know, damaging of people's reputations as well as revealing. And it's quite yeah. interesting because when she was um, writing for life, she had access to 300 of Charlotte's letters to Ellen Nussey, mm-hmm. and Ellen Nussey went through and scored out any gossipy details, because mm-hmm. of course they'd known all the same people for 20 years, so yes. they were quite uh, candid about their opinions, but you do lose a side of Charlotte that's um, the gossipy, bitchy yes. side, <laughs> and it did, it did happen, she could be like that, and but that's... She's multifaceted then, and what comes across in the life is just this, this dour little woman who everybody just dies, and she writes these novels that people can't really get on with. And yeah, it's a bit sad. It's not a, a full... Not a rounded picture. No, it's yeah. not. Yeah. 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 I'm, sure, I'm sure I've read somewhere that Ellen Nussie um, had, had actually prompted Patrick she to, did. to do it because... She'd read something in a newspaper that the, the substance of it had actually come from a letter that Mrs. Gaskell had written to someone, and she said, and, and, and it was quite um, not very complimentary to Charlotte. So she'd said to Patrick, "You need to get someone to correct this view of Charlotte," and he thought of Mrs. Gaskell. But the substance of the yeah. original review was actually Mrs. Gaskell. Gaskell. Yeah. It was sort of quite yeah. ironic that. They that's the sort of thing that that's kind of. Um, Bronte rationale <laughs> in a way that that would make sense to them, but um, yeah, it's a curious one. Mm. 
because she was so cruel about Mr. Bronte in that book. Yeah. And he... But do you think she was? I, yeah, you see, I don't think she was <laughs> totally <just> cruel. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not fair, because it ain't true. <laughs> because she, well, she does make out that um, he would cut the backs off chairs, that he set fire to anything that was nice in the house. We don't really that, have... Was, wasn't that... From the servant. She that was a servant that, yeah. that was sacked um, yes, and had yeah. an axe to grind. It wasn't um, anybody from within the house who had... Because the servants that they did have, they had for a really long time, you know, 20 or 30 years. So mm. they would have told much different stories to the ones that a sacked one would tell. Yeah. But I think that if you look at Mr Bronte's proceedings, that actually he wasn't a cruel man at all. He was a very warm man, um, and like I said earlier, he was a great social reformer in Haworth. He worked really hard for his people, and he kept going until he was 84. Um, but she just seemed to dismiss that aspect of him. And bless him, he, when he read it, he just said, oh, I think that Branwell's been misrepresented, and uh, didn't really say anything about his well, own Well, he said character. there are a few trifling mistakes. Yeah, something. but he didn't, he didn't yeah. go off on one. I don't think he said something about it wasn't true about that. I don't think that is true because that's the only place that we get that story from about um, she accidentally left the lock in a drawer which she would never have the key in the drawer but she would normally keep locked and then she like heard him burning it and like ha 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 I'm burning her dress and she, I don't think that's true I just can't reconcile this image that she had of him mm-hmm. with somebody who was like go forth and writing things to his daughters Right. I think there was, there was an interesting story when we first got to the parsonage that you told us about Patrick, because I think that first room we started in, yeah, yeah. we were talking about Patrick and sort of the misconceptions that people have when they come to the parsonage, Yeah. and I think that a lot of people don't put in context that this is a man that like lost his wife and, and children very early, and then when those um, four were home, the Patrick, or Branwell, and Emily, and Charlotte just... How, how, how much of a loss he had had and how mm. protective he was of those last, mm. those final four mm. children. Yeah. And those yeah. misconceptions still abound now. So like mm-hmm. every time I do a tour of passage, I'm like, but the thing about Mr. Bronte was he was cruel, wasn't he? And I'm like, no, where did he get that from? Because um, we've got loads of chairs in the back, in our collection and none of the backs are so <laughs> 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 Just saying. <laughs> the one you'll call us first yeah found one i will say while we're on misconceptions because we we have run out of our own questions but we have listener questions that have been sent in and then we'll open up to the room if you have any yeah um so we one of our most popular questions is like what are some of the misconceptions about you know the brontes and about you know elizabeth gaskell well, I think the worst misconception about Elizabeth Gaskell is that she was not that she was a second-rate writer, because mm-hmm. her her um, she tends not to be read at schools or universities. And I mean, I've talked to lots of people who've studied English literature; they've rarely studied Elizabeth Gaskell. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you meet sort of people <laughs> out there and have conversations and go, "Oh, Elizabeth Gaskell," you know, and and the. Um, the, the impression is very much taken by some people who haven't read her from the, maybe the TV production of Cranford, which is very bonnety and surely, isn't it? Um, it's but, very what? 
Bonnetty. <laughs> you know, bonnets and shawls. Yes. <laughs> bonnets and shawls. Bonnets and shawls. But they did wear bonnets and shawls. But yeah. I think I think that um And it was an amalgam, you know. Absolutely. It was I remember Cranford from school. Do you? So you read Cranford at school? Well, yes. It was but we read lots of books, but Cranford yes. I mean in its entirety was pretty boring. Yeah. Yeah. And you didn't get the humour. You didn't get the humour. Ten year old, you know, eleven year old girl. No, don't. You know, yeah. it's quite. Yeah. It's like, but the telly, I thought, was brilliant because you know they picked up the bits of interesting line. Things. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I think Elizabeth Gaskell, as a writer, is much more than Cranford. Yes. What I really like about her is the range of of. Uh, she tries different things in different novels yeah. um, and you can see her development from uh, Mary Barton's a little bit melodramatic for me um, but she's trying things out and getting important themes onto paper and then you can see how she evolves and in Ruth she tries something that's much mm. more repressed and much more sober Cranford's much more humorous mm. Sylvia's love is, is historical and then Wives and Daughters is very much the sort of culmination of somebody who's very confident I think as, as a writer but writing something that she knows will be popular um, so I think she's, you can really, she doesn't start fully formed as a writer, mm. but very much develops. And, and I like seeing that evolution. And I think she's a wonderful writer. You know, I think she's warm and generous and her, story, her characters are very sympathetic. Mm -hmm. I like the fact that they're all written from a woman's point of view. Yeah. And I do think that she was regarded in that mould of a slightly lesser woman writer mm -hmm. she wasn't known as Elizabeth Gaskell she was known she was known as Mrs Gaskell and there are a lot of other writers in that Victorian era who are Mrs Banks Mrs Henry Wood Mrs this Mrs mm -hmm. that they weren't known in their own name and I think that's why she suffered um, a little bit as a writer and obviously that's you know what we here at the house hope we're trying to do mm -hmm. something to correct really is to to say she does deserve to be remembered and she was important not only to Manchester but important in, in English literature really. Yeah. So that's the main misconception I think. And actually when we announced, when we first announced we would be doing um, North and South as a read-along and coming to Elizabeth Gaskell's house, there was such a reaction um, from our audience on the podcast of people just saying, oh, like, thank goodness someone's talking about Elizabeth Gaskell. And then so many listeners who hadn't listened to the show because, you know, who cares about Austin and the Brontes? Like, everyone's talking about them. But, some, you know, here's a conversation about Elizabeth Gaskell and someone talking about North and South and it was just it was a huge reaction Good. Yeah. but people really like people do care and also the other thing I didn't see a single bad word about North and South like oh there was God, stuff that people didn't it. agree with but yeah. you know new, list, uh, new readers old readers um, there was no there's no doubt at least to our audience of her being a second rate writer good. or not yeah. as good mm. as Austin or second to any of the Bronte she's you know, up there with them. I think what you said about yeah. like, like her developing over time is very interesting. I mean, in literature, men are allowed to develop over time, mm. but women have to be brilliant out the gate to be yeah. recognized. And um, I, I, that, I find that really enjoyable about Elizabeth Gaskell that she's trying new things, that she's, you know, just, just 
playing with literature and that's not something you see from a lot of women especially if they have success right away they're like i have to stay in this vein to stay relevant or to be to continue the respect so i think it's really brave of her yes yeah and i must admit i mean i haven't read many of the story short stories and i'm sure some of you here have but i think shorts she she definitely made a decision i'm going to try and write some short stories because that what's that's what fits into my life better at the moment when she was bringing up her family and being very busy. Um, and, you know, I'm sure some of them are probably quite um, sort of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, formulaic in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'm sure that some of them will be really. I've read Cousin Phyllis which is a sort of novella and that's an amazing yeah, story great. I think yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, so sort of succinct and a great plot and it motors along quite fast yeah, yeah yeah so I think she deserves to be much better better mm-hmm. known as a writer than she is <laughs> yeah yeah I studied her at uni did you yeah I did oh, so we right. did Mary Barton did and you? Ruth and Gosh. I'm the only person I've ever met who's read all of Ruth well, you're the only person I've ever met who studied her at university. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. You know the whole people. Right. Yeah. 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 But secondary school, I think, is the, oh, the yeah. age group um, that, where it's really missing because you do, you'll hear people have studied the Bronte's or Austin or Dickens or... But it's not, it's not getting into, like, school school before you yeah. go on to higher education. So yeah. children aren't being... Inc- um, introduced her work Mm. until they've made the decision to read literature and actually I wonder how many people would engage more because of the topic she's writing about and because of the points of view that she's presenting Mm -hmm. in her books Mm -hmm. so I think there's a disservice to Gaskell because she's a very accessible writer isn't Mm. she she's not very you know she's not difficult in my opinion um until Nicholas Higgins starts talking in North and South and then you just have to rip those pages out and <laughs> just invent oh, something. Sylvia's lovers is quite a lot of dialect, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In what about any Bronte misconceptions? Oh, where do you begin? There's so many. <laughs> there's, there's probably there's too many. Maybe um, your favourite. My favourite. <laughs> well, you just all the time when you're in the house, people yeah. walk in and say, So is this where Joan Earl is? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Um, did I tell you I had someone from the um, Jane Austen Center on the podcast, and she said that someone came in and asked her why Charlotte Bronte killed Jane Austen. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but there is a theory that Charlotte's opinion of Jane Austen did set her back quite a long way for okay. a while because yeah. she was so like I'm wild like a Mars, and Jane Austen is so cultivated, which mm-hmm. kind of a word that she used. Well, she just wasn't reading it properly. <laughs> yeah. I think that Charlotte had a strange taste in books as well, so there you go. Personal idea. But it's to do with fashion, isn't it? So oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you think about it, everybody, you know, there's a big difference between something that just goes out of fashion and something that becomes cool and vintage. And to be honest, you know, the fact that, you know, Charlotte was born yeah. to Jane Dan. Yeah, yeah. You know, basically, it's like, oh, I've got that old fashion stuff. And yeah. it's something really interesting and new. And, you know, I think it's she'd really got to grips with Jane Austen. She would have realised her brilliance and her genius and her third person. But even in, even in Austen's life, I won't bang on about her too much, but even in her lifetime, because her stuff wasn't being published at the time that it was written, um, her first book was Sold as Susan, it's Northanger Abbey. Yeah. Uh, it was written around 1790. It wasn't published until after her death, uh, 20 years into the you know, 19th century. So that it wasn't the right audience. And so the people that end up reading her book um, 
her books are not they're not like necessarily getting the references they don't really understand and so by the time someone like Charlotte Bronte is reading it you're 50 years out like out of date and there's there's references and clues and jokes and it's just Mm-hmm. Like think you know when you watch a film and someone will yeah. make a joke and you're like couldn't say that now and it's not it's not yeah. like that but stuff dates and it it does date and also you don't always like the stuff that your parents liked or that yeah. you kind of need like an extra generation for it to yeah just have some space. You made a good point about it on the podcast too because it was suggested to her by her publisher or yeah. like you should read this and also it can also come across like oh here's another woman writer yeah. that yeah. you can read and that's not exactly to her taste yeah and if you if your work's very different as well and someone's kind of giving it to you you then to take that and say oh sorry am i should i be trying to fit this person because they're so different their their writing is like incomparable they're doing very different things and i think if you present something to someone and say well this is an example of how a woman should write and people do think that jane austen is very rigid then i i can understand why charlotte bronte would maybe have a pushback against it yeah and it goes back to what we were saying about her seeking opinions from people she did do that and then she go yeah i don't agree (laughs) (laughs) it's difficult yeah so who did charlotte bronte admire as a writer Um, in her lifetime what contemporary writers yeah Yeah, she She did vanity fair if you know charlotte oh you'll understand why she liked vanity fair because she was big on wellington and Mm -hmm. the idea of a a woman going out onto a battlefield of um waterloo would have thrilled her i'm sure right i can't wait to read vanity fair on the show (laughs) it's really exciting yeah Yeah. there's plenty of um thackeray and charlotte stories (laughs) do you want to share one of those I know they're not like exactly on topic. Does anyone know the Thackeray and Charlotte story? Tell the one about this. Which one do you want? The one in the attic. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. This is good. That's a good classic. So when Charlotte um, issued the second edition of Jane Eyre, she dedicated it to Thackeray because, of course, like we're saying, she loved Vanity Fair. So, um, but what she didn't realise, but that literary London knew, and they were coming to realise it. Um, Carabelle was in fact a former governess called Charlotte Bronte, much in the vein of Jane Eyre. But um, Thackeray himself had a mad woman in the attic doing the yeah. hand thing. Um, and that she had, um, his wife had had a postnatal psychotic breakdown. And so he had chosen to put her into a home. Um, but literally London knew this, Charlotte did not. And so he wrote to her and said, just so you know, and you weren't to know, You've set tongues a wagging <laughs> because people think that you are Jeanette and my Rochester. And she's yeah. like, oh. <laughs> uh, stranger than fiction, isn't it? But, yeah. uh, That's like one of my favourite Charlotte stories. Yeah. She just kind of sleepwalked into, into it. Into yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think she doesn't mean it. I think a lot of people... How would you guess at that point? Yeah, you didn't yeah. know. <laughs> just, yeah, they had this misconception of her, I think. Yeah. I, yeah. We can all agree to just assume any time you're talking to someone that they have a significant other locks in the attic. <laughs> and then yeah. you won't make any kind of fo- uh, social faux pas. Yeah. Just, yeah. That was, so one of our listener questions was, like, what were, you know, some of your favourite anecdotes? So some Charlotte anecdotes here. But, Jane, do you have... And it doesn't have to be related to the Brontes, like just any Elizabeth Gaskell story. Um, I've heard so many good ones. This well, week you guys. yeah, I mean, I've mentioned a couple of them. There was one, um, just a tiny little anecdote early um, in her writing career um, about being a minister's wife. She was always a little bit 
you know, ambivalent, I think, about her role as a minister's wife. I mean, she was very dutiful, very loyal to William. Um, um, but I think sort of rebelled slightly about having to, I don't know if you agree, um, about having to be uh, very mindful of everything she said and, you know, her, her actions. And she, one of the things she did as a minister's wife was teach in a Sunday school. And uh, she records having a conversation with a couple of um, girls at the Sunday school. And she was trying to describe the character of Queen Elizabeth I and mentions a portrayal of Queen Elizabeth I in a book by Walter Scott, Kenilworth and is overheard by somebody else in William's congregation who thought it was highly unsuitable to be talking about Walter Scott on a Sunday. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite sure what this um, description said, I haven't looked it up. But anyway, um, the fellow minister's wife was very shocked and Elizabeth says, so there I am in a scrape. Well, it can't be helped. I'm myself and nobody else and I can't be bound by another's rules. And that was quite early on in her married life, and uh, I thought, good for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can kind of see how they got along, really, yeah. honestly. Because, I mean, I think outwardly, it seems quite odd, right? We did have a question from one of our listeners about sort of gender and how they presented themselves. I know, we could, like, we could talk about this all day, honestly. Mm but how, you know, Mrs. Gaskell was anonymous at first and then presented herself as Mrs. Gaskell and Charlotte was Kurt LaBelle. And do we want to talk a little bit about why she chose Mrs. Gaskell um, to write under? Um, I'm not very knowledgeable about that. I mean, her first novel she published anonymously mm -hmm. um, because, again, I think she thought it wasn't quite the thing as a minister's wife right. to be publishing. Um, I'm not sure whether that came from her or the publisher. I don't know. Other people know more about this than me. Um, but it, I know she intended it to be published anonymously, right. but I think her publisher very quickly sort of let it slip who she was. Right. Um, but then I assume because she was a minister's wife mm -hmm. and it wasn't quite the thing to be done uh, or to be doing, um, especially when she was writing about the subjects she wrote about in mm. Ruth and, mm. and some of the stories, which would be considered quite sort of shocking, really. Mm. Um, so she was probably, um, it's just got that slight distance, hasn't it, from mm. herself as a, you know, as her own It being. gives her a man's oh, protection. She's like always signed herself, uh, Elizabeth Gaskell. She, in she, letters. In letters. Yes. Yeah, so and in letters, yes. I think she yes. was Mrs. William. Absolutely. But in terms of being published, she was published as Mrs. Gaskell, yeah. wasn't she? All, yeah. all her lifetime she mm. was Mrs. Gaskell. She had a wife of Charlotte, it was the first um, book that she actually published as Mrs. Gaskell and the previous ones had been an author of Mary Bell. Yeah. 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 Although it was generally known who she was, wasn't it? Yeah. Quickly, weren't they? You know, yeah. their identities were, you know, there was um, uh, Sadie George Eliot, you know, there was a lot of letters flying yeah. to and fro, like, who is George Eliot? Yeah. And Elizabeth Gaskell was 
um, quite complicit in the gossip going on around George Eliot, etc. Mm -hmm. and got herself in a bit of a knot about trying to find out who George Eliot was. But she really admired George Eliot. She thought she was a wonderful writer, but she was quite keen to, you know, be in on the gossip. Um, and it was the same with everybody, you know. Um, a few of the letters saying, um, oh, I've, you know, I've found out, I think I've found out who um, Curabelle is. Um, yes. about Charlotte as well, yeah. but they were all, they all had this big gossip about, you know, who's, who's Corapelle, who's you know, yeah. Elizabeth Gaskell, who's, you know... I think the George Eliot should find out. Mrs Gaskell would have been much an older woman writing, so whether it was a respect. Yes. Mrs. Gaskell yeah. as yeah. a, yeah. yeah. a, a, a form of protection yeah, almost to being a married woman and yeah. writing about the things that she was writing about and also yeah. presenting herself. Maybe it's more an authority on certain things as a Mrs. versus yeah. her bell being sort of yes. some sort of like, you know, anonymous. Yeah. Or, yeah sort of gender neutral, yeah. but assumably a male. Yeah, so the question poses that. Um, that the uh, Bronte's names are gender neutral, but just to get kind of a feel for the room, hands up if you think they sound like masculine names. Acton Bell, Cura Bell, and Ellis Bell. Yeah, yeah. masculine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think, yeah, yeah it's, yeah. I think it's, it's not like, I'll write gen uh, gender neutral names so that people would be guessing, um, but just they're weird men's names. And people still do yeah. it. An illustrator friend of mine um, just puts her initials, she won't put her first name because female illustrators get yeah. less work than male illustrators and yeah. it's the year 2017 yeah. and um, yeah uh, there's a writer who writes for Doctor Who and she also writes um, Chicklet and she will sign her initials on her Doctor Who books but put her full name for her Chicklet because yeah. she doesn't think men will buy her book mm -hmm. about Doctor Who as it's written by a woman so yeah Really sad, real. Yeah, it is. Really well, sad. I think it is true that I mean, because I used to, my former life, I was worked for the public libraries, and it was a truism that a lot of men just would not read books by women. Mm. You know, a lot of men. Well, I mean, that's a generalisation, but you could detect it in borrowings from the library if you really yeah. sort of drill down mm. into who was reading what that a lot of men just won't read books by women. So someone like J.K. Rowling uses their initials and then they can cross the, cross the gender. It's less threatening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so speaking of books, yeah. um, which uh, is your favorite Bronte or Gaskell book? Question to both. I think my favorite Gaskell book is North and South. Yeah. Um, mainly because I'm sort of, I think, our favourite books are usually ones that you have some empathy with, aren't mm. they? That you recognise something of yourself in them, maybe, or that, you know, reflect your life a little bit. And because I'm a North and South person, I started in the North, I went South, I came back North, had this constant sort of tension between where do I want to be? Do I want to be in the country? Do I want to be in the town? Do I want to be tied down? Do I want to be free? <laughs> and I sort of recognise all that in, in North and South and um, yeah, I just, I, 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 and it's not as melodramatic as Mary Barton, uh, but it's still rooted in Manchester mm -hmm. and you know obviously Manchester's somewhere I know very well so that's why I like North and South. But I do like Wives mm -hmm. and Daughters as well. <laughs> yeah. Ten out of half Everyone needs to read it. 
It's the law. You should read it. It's the best book ever written. <laughs> I agree. Thank I you. No, I think it's extraordinary. Yeah. It's really, 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 really I'm, good. <laughs> I, I think um, Mothering Heights and Jane Eyre, there's so much into the landscape, whereas Anne writes about the characters and the mm -hmm. society. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Much like Gaskell was doing. She's yeah. writing about what she knows, and she knows that it's an issue for women that do have drunk husbands. How mm -hmm. are they going to escape it? Mm -hmm. And so she's writing about how you can, you can live through that and, um, and thrive afterwards. Yeah. It's the gateway uh, Bronte book that we suggest. It was my gateway book as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good one. It's, um, there's a lot of Austin fans. They are, they have tried with maybe Wuthering Heights and they kind of, they look away, but we've been pushing Tenet on them this season and it's been getting a good response. And I think it is the characters and the humor. Yeah. And then they, I kind of want to know what oh, there's a mystery to it as well. Yeah. Who I get, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. So I get really nervous when people talk about it because Lauren said I was allowed to read it for the show and then I had to stop to read North and South and Valette. So just don't say anything about the story because it's excellent. The first however many but chapters I've read. But you know if it was a no, Mrs. Graham read, at yeah, the beginning of the stop. book, that's all I said. <laughs> no, you said the word miss. Oh, I thought you were saying mystery. There is a mystery. Yeah, well, just don't talk about the mysteries at the beginning. <laughs> just as like a, a thing for the audience as well. <laughs> but, yeah, but I'm scared you're going to tell me how the book ends, and it's very rare to find a book from, you know, hundreds of years ago that you haven't seen an adaptation of, that you don't know the ending of, and I, I would really love to experience it. <laughs> I haven't said anything. <laughs> I'm, just I'm scared you're going to. I'm scared you're going to. There's a very odd sequel to it. Um, it's called The Woman Who Ran. Oh, by Sam Baker. Sam Baker of I it. So, yeah, yes. I haven't read it, but I've heard that it's okay. Yeah, I so. think it's a, a, a ripoff. It's a modern yes. day retelling. Yes, the skeleton of the story yeah. is the same, but the way of it's telling isn't. And, um, I'm not I sure. Read it, but I wasn't over impressed. I'm not sure how well it translates to the modern day. Yeah. Because yeah. it's about very much that time where women had so few rights particularly if you were married and you'd signed everything away to this man yeah. but she just fancied so much and her aunt was like what are you doing and uh, yeah it doesn't really translate to the modern day I don't think did we'll Charlotte not, not, I, I've heard somewhere that Charlotte didn't really think much of Anne's writing yeah no, she didn't no. she didn't and I think Mrs Gaskell helped with that by making Emily and Anne kind of footnotes in the story but Charlotte was very negative about Anne's role for Tenet of Arthur Hall, really, because it was but too why? close but to what, home. Was it that she didn't rate her, or was it that she was a bit envious of well, her ability? She, I think, I don't know, I don't think she saw that she had any ability. Oh, really? She was, she was very much the younger sister, she was a baby of the family, and everybody hero worshipped Emily, because Emily was the cool one that everybody wanted to get to know, and nobody could. And in fact, that John Greenwood that you referred to, the stationer, kept a diary of Emily's comings and going before she was famous. He just was like, what's she doing now? And, um, and that's quite odd. Whereas Anne is always like, Anne's not here, Anne's doing work. You know, it, she's very kind of to the side of the family But wasn't story. it the case that they, the three of them all sent off novels at the same time? Yeah. And Jane yeah. Eyre wasn't published, but... 
tenant of Wildfell No, it's a professor. The professor was. So there's a professor, Agnes Gray, and Wuthering Heights at the same time. Wuthering Heights and Agnes Gray. So Agnes Gray got published before. Yeah. 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 So she obviously, you know. I think she was envious. (laughs) She was the envious of that. Because we we kind of think that Jane Eyre was written as a response to Agnes Gray because it's the governess novel. but in writing the Tenant of Wildfell Hall, I think Charlotte felt that Anne was like, come in and hear about our drunken brother. Mm. And, and Charlotte just did not hold sway with that. She just really didn't think it was appropriate to be telling the public that you knew about alcoholism and the damage it brings, I think. Right. She said it was okay. entirely a mistake. <laughs> so you don't get any sense of ambivalence there. She was entirely a mistake. Well. She says. <laughs> <laughs> it may have been a touch jealousy because it did sell out in six weeks. Yeah. So. yeah. It's putting our business out in the street, I think is like yeah. how we kind of talked yeah. about it on our show with you. Yeah. yeah. Which I could see. <coughs> Charlotte, Charlotte was very private, obviously. We talked very shy. Didn't want that out there. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe a little bit of envy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was a really good writer with us. Yeah, she was a good writer. She was a really good writer. Um, how much time do we have, Hannah? Because see if you guys if you guys have questions. We've we've got enough questions. time to do the last listener questions okay. and then okay. open up to the floor. Cool, cool. Let's do it. Read off one. One of our listener oh, questions. I just the last one. Okay, oh, cool. Yeah. Which book uh, would you like to see adapted for screen? Only if it <coughs> hasn't been done. I don't want to hear about remakes. Um, I guess I'd like to see Ruth actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. Only because it is quite hard to read. <laughs> so I think they're probably like. Me, in a way, a lot of people start reading Ruth with the very best of mm. intentions. And it's quite sort of, after North and South, it's, it's, a, it's a much harder read. Mm. And also it's quite a bleak topic. Mm. So I think as a way into knowing more about Mrs Gaskell, I'd like to see an adaptation of, of Ruth. Because obviously it's, it's also a bit of a counterbalance to a lot of 19th century novels that are screened. Mm. Um, which tend to be, you know, the, the Sunday night costume drama, um, sort of comfortable, and Ruth isn't at all comfortable. No. Um, so I think it could make a really interesting adaptation. And the end pulls a yeah. emotional punch, yes. I felt. Like we won't talk about well, we the end. We won't talk about the end. <laughs> People need to read it. Yeah, but, I don't but, care about yeah, yeah. but it yeah. is, you know, it's, it, it's, <laughs> it's a hard a read, but it's a book that you know, was was very important, I think, in mm. Elizabeth Gassel's career. And, um, you know, just deserves a, a, a wider sort of profile, mm-hmm. really. Any Brontes that you think haven't... Villette? Or Shirley? Oh, come on, Villette? OK, well, Shirley. It's yeah. got a lot of action in it. With the Luddites. Could get some good Northern accents in there. Would that suit, Hannah? Yeah, sorry. OK, <laughs> being with you. No, but like, we always end up falling out, don't we? <laughs> well, that's just really it's sad. Very easy, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, thanks, Lauren. Okay, cool. Last question. Very briefly, this one's just for you. Uh, can you explain the uh, Elizabeth Gaskell and Charles Darwin connection? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this Jane can. can. This Jane can. Bit. Yes. Um, Elizabeth Gaskell was related to the Wedgwoods, the Wedgwood family, and the Wedgwoods were related to Charles Darwin. So there's a, a very um, weak sort of family link. She was very distantly related to Charles Darwin. Um, we don't really know that they met, but we do know 
that um, Elizabeth's daughter, Mita, who was the one who was a painter, went on a sketching holiday to Europe with Charles Darwin's sister in the 1860s, early 1860s. And also, if you've read Wives and Daughters, the character of Roger Hamley is based on Charles Darwin. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> she knew so many people, like our listeners yeah. are just sort of fascinated. We just do, I feel like, a name drop every mm-hmm. Elizabeth Gaskell episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's too many people to even name, I feel. We'll do an episode on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so if the audience do have any questions, pop your hand in the air and then um, just shout, actually, I think, because um, it does seem like we're picking you up on the microphone, so just try and project your voice because these won't reach you. So, yeah, hands up if you've got one. There is a story that, that we wanted to hear again when we first came to this house and we saw some letters um, between Charlotte and Elizabeth, and I think it's Charlotte and Elizabeth like, taking the mick out of William Thackeray, and it's something about him like having two carriages. And it was something like he's he's got two carriages now, and it's one for himself and one for his cane, because he'd recently <laughs> come into loads of money. Yeah, no, it was, we saw the yeah. letter here. So the downstairs, and it was just basically mm. the guy who took us around the house at the time, saying how they were just joking about how successful he was. Um, I think it was Nick. Yeah. And didn't he patronise Charlotte? Yeah. yeah, he kept yeah. saying, and here's little Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Little, yeah. Little, yeah. Little, little, little Miss Air. Yeah. yeah. And she said, uh, excuse me, I'm Charlotte Bronte. I'm not Little Jane Air. It was just quite interesting to notice how they had this kind of alliance together, being like, how, for, as a female writer, I don't know, you kind of got this sense that they were very much together, but when it came to something like a, a male author, you know, he says, oh, well, he's got so much and that's one for his cane, and just his ego kind of centered around that, which is quite nice to hear. Like, even then, there's still the sense same of, like humor, it was really yeah. funny, it was like yeah. a really like bitchy comment, and we were like, yeah. 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 So, so, Jane is looking that one up. I'm, I'm really sorry, I've never heard that story. So. I haven't. <laughs> 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 She's looking up. So while Jane looks that up, does anyone else have another question? Go to the lady at the back. Hi. Uh, how how long did um, Charlotte come to stay for? Having been on a recent visit from here to the Bronte Parsonage and going around God knows how many country roads with our driver, um, it, it took a while nowadays. And I know the infrastructure isn't what it used to be in the UK. Uh, but uh, I just wondered how long she came for, because it must have taken the youngs to get here. Yeah. <laughs> so I think she came for a week, one she, more occasion, she came she, for They were quite days. fleeting visits, yeah. so three days when she came back from London. Well, how long did it take her to get here? Not, not that long, I don't think. There were trains. So she'd get a carriage to a railway station, she'd get a train, and then she'd get a carriage from the station to here, I'm sure. So, yeah, she could do it in probably not a great deal longer than it takes us these days. Yeah. <laughs> we should have used the carriage. I mean, that short space of time, I thought she might have come for a couple of weeks. No, no. Um, I, I, I think the first time it was a, a couple, two or three days, and then maybe the middle visit was a few days. I did read that they only spent in each other's company a total of 20 days. Wow. And one of those, 
a chunk of that was when they were at the Kay Shuttleworths yeah. in Windermere, where I think they were there for about a week. Well, I so our visits here were very, very few. I stand the curtain on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I suspect that's why when she did come, it was so brief because she'd been at the Shuttleworths, and I think she felt it quite a trial. Yes. She wasn't overly keen on them. And Mr. Bronte had been like, go on, you'll have a great time. He's knighted, go on, you know. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's why she probably kept it quite brief. Because she'd go to yeah. Ellen Nuss's house for weeks at a time. Yeah. Weeks. Um, she did find company exhausting, didn't she? Yeah. Elizabeth Gaskell says a lot that, you know, she, she would make a big effort at a dinner party or an afternoon soiree or something. And... But then she would be very drained yeah. and have a headache. I think she was a migraine sufferer. Yeah. Know, because she did always seem to have like a lot of fun followed by a headache. Yes. Mm-hmm. So she probably, because this was a busy, busy house with lots of people coming and going, she probably didn't want to stay that long actually because mm-hmm. it was exhausting mm-hmm. to her. Mm-hmm. And just in reference to transport, when Lauren and I went to Howard <laughs> yeah. and the man that sold us our tickets in Leeds was said, uh, well, when you go to. Keithley, you'll be taking the steam train then, and you can still take the steam train for part of your journey. I don't think it takes significantly longer. Um, So, yeah, it's it's lovely. The bus, the like little 1950s bus, I think, is slightly after Bronte's. We do it right. Can I just say, we have normal trains and normal buses in Howarth as well. It's not like you go back in time. I mean, the hostel that we stayed at definitely felt like we go back in time. Episode of the podcast. I mean, we're had this crush on George Smith, but it was kept very, very quiet. It was certainly kept out of the biography. But she went to London with George Smith and his sister, and that was supposed to have been a real no, no, you just not, not what you you should do. No, it's Edinburgh. But oh, quite, yeah, Edinburgh. So right. she used to stay at his house with his mother and sister. And his mother, because George Smith was really young, we forget that he was like 22 when he took over that company. And I think he was quite naive. And I think he thought, oh, it's great. You know, I'm just flattering my best writer. And his mother was like, what are you doing? You can't take her on carriage rides by yourself around Richmond Park. And he's like, it's fine. And then he knew how much she wanted to go to Edinburgh because she was such a fan of Falls of Scott and um, Blackwood's magazine of Edinburgh. And so he said, oh, I have to pick up my... Um, brother who's at school there so why don't you come with me so she went to Ellen Lussie's house and then was going to meet him on the journey up and while she was at Ellen Lussie's house she was like I'm going to open for a Josh I'm going to open for a Josh <laughs> I'm excited and um, Ellen wrote to Mr Bronte and was like got to stop her we've got to stop her what is going on this is wrong because Ellen was very kind of what well, how and she just very much in line with spinster life and so Charlotte went to Edinburgh, they were there very briefly, she came back and Ellen and Mr Bronte were writing to each other going, you have to find out, no, you have to find out what happens. And then when she came back, uh, everyone was like, let me see your hand. And she was like, what are you talking about? Because nothing had happened, but she had kind of portrayed it like something might to Ellen and Mr Bronte. Mm -hmm. And then after Mr Nichols proposed, 
it seems like she was still holding out on something with George Smith, which may have been why she said no. She certainly had no intention of marrying him at that stage. But in the interim time, Miss uh, George Smith got engaged to a, a wealthy, really wealthy woman. I think she was the heiress to the John Murray Publishing House. So he did well for himself. And when he wrote and said, oh, I must tell you I'm engaged to so-and-so, she wrote back and was like, oh, I have to keep my words brief, like you would in times of sympathy. So congratulations, yours, Charlotte Bronte. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And then she says, that's nothing like, like, never send me any more books. Like, this is a business arrangement now. And you just, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. She sounds quite um, sort of naive and immature in her relationship she actually had with real men, but in her yeah. writing, it's not like that, is it? Well, sure. Yeah, and she was surrounded by curates as well, which is strange. Yeah. Um, and she was always being proposed to. She was proposed like five times. Mm -hmm. She just every time she watched, she was like, "What are they seeing?" <laughs> which is really sad, actually. That she thought that about herself. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I was wondering what the age gap was between um, Elizabeth Gaskell and Charlotte Bronte when they first met, and also in terms of how many books were published for either of them. Uh, whether like uh, I don't know how many. How many books those with Gaskell? They were six years apart, weren't they? Thought that, yeah. um, Elizabeth Gaskell was six years older, which oh. isn't a huge gap. Mm -hmm. um, and when they met the first time, Elizabeth had published Mary Barton only, and Charlotte had published Jane Eyre and Shirley. Jane Eyre and Shirley. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. It just seems quite interesting to hear about it. It's kind of like a real maternal edge to Elizabeth, just in my mind instantly that I thought it would have been a, a bigger gap between them in the way, um, mm. I don't know, just in the social element and kind of wanting to introduce, but now it kind of seems maybe it's more of an older sister kind of thing, um, but yeah. especially with the children, if she had such a strong connection to the children, I wondered yes. kind of what that relationship was and how they'd help so each other. So Elizabeth was, about, she was, she'd be about 40 when they first met. And Charlotte would be early thirties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about thirty-two. And obviously Elizabeth had before four daughters, so that, that I think Charlotte really liked that sort of family warmth because they they I think the daughters at that point would a, a the age range would be about five to fifteen something. Yeah, Julie was born um, in eighteen forty-six. Yes. Um, Marianne eighteen thirty-four. So, <laughs> so four yeah. to. Four to Upwards, um, so they, they would be live. You know, they'd be at the stage when the children, the children were at home and lively yeah. and games. And, and I suppose there would be um, sort of age that Charlotte would have been teaching when she'd been yes. a governess as well. Yes. So I mean, yes. not that she enjoyed that at all, but uh, I think she would have seen that. Yes, yeah. She 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 appreciated the you know the difference to her own home life. I yeah. think, and that house full of young children and who would be interested in you know all sorts of different things they were having music lessons and painting lessons mm. and their mother was writing much like her own childhood yes, then yes exactly yeah. exactly so it was the two books that charlotte had against if you were to compare against the one book that so it's quite interesting because i always i don't know i just see elizabeth gaspel as very worldly author who's kind of taken Charlotte under her wing but actually it's the opposite in terms of how many books you've got published. Yeah, Charlotte had, um, she'd written three novels by that point but the professor had yet to find a publisher uh, and she'd published the poems as well right. with her sisters so she had quite an experience of publication by that point. Um, and she recommended Smith and Elder as a publisher to Gaskell mm. and eventually 
she was published by Miss mm-hmm. Elder. Yeah. For in not fact, just for life, was she? Yeah. Is that how they very, very first heard of each other and communicated with each other? Because Elizabeth was looking for a publisher, wasn't she? Yeah, and I believe so. Yeah. I can't remember the details. Because William Smith Williams, who was Charlotte's reader at um, the publishing house, was very open to introducing her to people and experiences and read, reading experiences anyway. Um, so that seems likely, yeah. Mm. So that was how it came about. Mm. Yeah. Any other questions from the audience? No. I'm not the other. No, doesn't like. <laughs> Oh, I've, I mean, I've got one, but I don't know it's like a whole barrel of worms. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <yeah>. So. <laughs> My, I maybe went down a little hard on Gaskell when uh, this first came up on the podcast, but there are, you know, there's a few people out there who say that um, North and South is riffing on perhaps another fairly successful book with similar themes, with the words prejudice coming up a lot, um, definitely in the title of Pride and Prejudice. Um, so I just wanted to know what the, uh, the, the Gaskellites opinion was on that. Anyone else want to? Well, initially it was actually um, Charles Dickens that called it North and South. Elizabeth Gaskell's title for it was Margaret Hale, Mm -hmm. and it was Dickens that changed it to North and South. Um, But it was only when I listened to your podcast about it that I thought, well, actually, yes, there are similarities. Mm -hmm. You know, it was really interesting to hear all those similarities that you brought brought up about it. Yeah. I promise it's not just me, there's like hundreds of us yeah. <laughs> that we just sit on the internet discussing it just for days and days. Yeah. I think like for me, because I, I mean I've read Pride and Prejudice a lot more than North and South and I probably am more of a Jane Austen fan, like if I was to like pick a thing, but um, for me like North and South it's that kind of um, context of like industrialization and chartism which is really mm-hmm. important to it. And that's just not Pride and Prejudice mm. because that's that's not Jane Austen's bag and that was a different time and I think that's what I'm not not doesn't make North and South more intelligent, but North and South is just a little bit sharper because it's it's sort of reflecting like attitudes of the time in a different way and I think maybe that's where like Well, they're written about different times. Yeah. So yeah. they're representing the very different things. Well, yeah. Austin yeah. yeah. didn't she wrote that what she knew, she didn't. And I am I'm team Austin all the way, but I think they're very different. Because I'm very working class, and I find Northern South is a book very, very much rooted in my class. Whereas Austin, I love Austin, but it's completely alien to my my own experience. I just love Austin, you know. Just, but I think they're very different books. Mm-hmm. And and then, so this is just my little personal... I feel like I've gone on a journey with <laughs> Pride and Prejudice in North and South, so just for the listeners at home. Um, I didn't realise quite how much Jane Austen is also borrowing from earlier texts, and I've done a bit of reading around Elizabeth Gaskell doing it, and something that's kind of commonly said is that while some people get a little defensive, purposely not looking at Lauren, um, it's not so much that people are saying that Elizabeth Gaskell is stealing the ideas, but something that you can do in literature is take a popular storyline so that people go, I know what this story is, so they're not worrying about the plot because, and they're focusing on the, the, the characters and like the, the moral almost or what like the theme of the book is. And so by taking Pride and Prejudice as a hugely popular text um, and kind of having a very similar structure to it, her readers were able to focus on 
the rights of the workers and the political and economic struggles that are going on in the story because it's, it's almost the tale as old as time thing. You've got two people from very different backgrounds yeah. coming yeah. together. So I just felt I had to apologise for my <laughs> Gaskell bashing in the past. I'm reformed. I've been Good. reformed by the Gaskells. Yeah. And you're a convert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When's it going to happen with Bronte then? Oh, And we are back. So, um, there was a question that came up during that panel that I particularly loved that we kind of, we never kind of came back around to. And that was about the letters between Charlotte Bronte and Elizabeth Gaskell, where they were talking about Thackeray. Mm-hmm. Now, I only have selected letters and I've been looking for this letter and uh, I can't find it. Find it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone out there, um, you know, has it, please send it to us. So the original in this letter. Yeah, the original, please. Yes. Yeah. I don't want a copy of it. You just got to make on. sure it's really real, you know, just re- yeah. really fact check it. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the one where they're dissing Thackeray, fac- like so basically saying he has a carriage for his ego and he's a carriage for himself or a carriage for his cane and a carriage for himself. Something like that. I don't know. So, of course, we want to say again, one last huge thank you to Amy and Jane for being excellent panellists. And also to our audience on the day, we were a little worried that no one was going to turn up and you were all great. And then also to you guys, listeners, for sending us really good questions. We'll definitely make sure that we announce any live recordings that we're going to do in future so keep an eye out for those and then we'll ask for questions and then maybe you can get some answers from people who yeah. are experts yeah it'll it'll those be are, nice it'll be nice it'll be nice yeah i can't wait to do another live panel this was a lot of fun and i'm just yeah really grateful that so many people turned up and then at the end like how many people got involved yeah absolutely i mean it became a group discussion it, that was it was so good as well because I think there were points in the conversation where people weren't like putting their hands up or like no one was talking over anyone but it's kind of people just felt confident to speak up or like correct or maybe add add something they thought was relevant so by the end of it it was like a, a room discussion rather than a panel discussion yeah it was lovely that's true bonnet to dawn spirit actually I have to say so I could have been more swearing guys I feel like I was yeah you know, doing that all on been. my own <laughs> you did uh you did let us down there, Hannah. <laughs> I do my fair bit of swearing. I just edit it out of the show. That's the thing. Yeah, so it's just me that sounds like Daniel Craig. And another big thank you to everyone that supported our t-shirt campaign. You guys have been sending in your pictures of you wearing your shirts and you look so, so awesome in your Team Austin shirts, even though you'd probably look better in Team Bronte shirts. Lies. Um, lies. What do you sell like one shirt, Lauren? Bring it on. Like, I dare you oh. to sell more Team Bronte shirts than Team Austin shirts. Oh, get ready. I'll put, I'm, I'm going to call. Oh, Lauren, yes. Don't I bet worry. You, I bet you $10. All right. Fine. You're on. I bet you $10. You are on. Okay. Don't even worry about it, man. Don't even worry about it. I think Team Bronte is going to come through. Um, Especially when they get a look at the design. <sighs> Oh, yeah, it's gonna be great. <laughs> um, and I I will say this. Okay. For those of you that do still want a Team Austin shirt for whatever reason, because you're Team Austin, but also I guess it's a really, really cute design by Emily Rosen, who we love. 
Um, you have like 24 hours to buy from batch two. This is the like the last call, the last, last, last call. From the point so, of this episode being uploaded, not from yes. the point of us discussing it. So we are talking like, oh, what's the what's the date? Let's give people a date to go by. It's <laughs> so June 7th. There you go. And I don't even I don't even know the time, but June 7th. That's it. If you're listening last to this call. on June 8th, I'm sorry. It's over. Limited edition. <laughs> um, but yeah, Team Bronte is next. And then after that will be Team Gaskell. And if you want to see sneak previews of those designs or, you know, just like say hey to Hannah and Lauren, um, you know, where, where would you go? Where would you go to do that, Hannah? I guess you could try looking on the internet. You could mm-hmm, try looking mm-hmm. at your smartphone. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Bonnets at Dawn. You can send us a cheeky email, only cheeky ones, <laughs> to bonnets at dawn at gmail.com. Or you can find us in the Facebook group by searching Bonnets at Dawn, people. You know how to use Facebook. You don't need a tutorial from me every week. It's true. Go it's true. It. You guys know what's going on. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us. And we will be back at you next week with another Bronte or Austin or Gaskell or Alka or something topic. And probably with another host. (laughs) (laughs) Who's getting replaced? Me or you? You're giving birth. (laughs) 